Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back for the second hour, Raider Nation Radio's Hip Hop Thursday morning edition of the Morning Tailgate. We're glad you're with us here today. It's Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, Clay Baker, and you. Congratulations to uh, Dan and Aaron, both out of Henderson. They walk away with the Fogo de Chon gift cards, the dining cards, $150. We'll have one to give away tomorrow as well. And also later in the show, we'll have a pair of tickets for you to go see Three Ice Hockey Saturday over at the Orleans Arena. 69187 is the Salmon Ash text line. 69187 because you deserve what's right. And you can reach us here on Twitter at RNR 920 AM and on the phones 702-365-9200. That's a Realty One Group listener line as we broadcast live here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Bentley Cadillac Performance Studios. And we were trying to figure out, you know, we just want to talk defense today and a little on that tomorrow as well. But, you know, there's some things that you really got to take a look at for a team like the last year for the Raiders to rely on rookies, especially on the defensive side, to step up the way they did. Uh, you got some great return on investment. You have to be honest with yourself. And, you know, you could start with even Trayvon Merrick, who was somebody that was going to be somebody that could have been taken in the first round, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, there was there was just that great stuff that he was able to do at TCU. But, you know what, he came as advertised. But I one thing's for sure is that he was able to assimilate into a Gus Bradley system and played very well. And I think that's something that going forward, all right, who takes the biggest step in 2022? A guy like Trayvon Merrick, as good as last year was, he could be that guy that could make a big step. I mean, I've I, been thinking about it for a while. Yeah, that the this is something that I think needs to happen because we've been talking about Clay that need for turnovers. He was brought in. A lot of people saw it on tape with TCU that he's a ball hawk. Yeah. That he has that ability to get up and after the football. And so as I watched him last year, I kept anticipating it. And granted, he did drop a couple that were or could have been. And maybe he's learned from those times of having his hands just there, being just so close yes. to getting a pick, but couldn't Completing haul it in. It. Yeah. yeah. So now he's got a taste. He's got one interception under his belt. We'll see if he can improve upon that number. I certainly think he can. And I think that he can definitely be a threat out in space. I, I like the way that he reads the field. I like the way that he is attentive to everything that's unfolding around him. And for somebody so young to have that kind of presence about him and that kind of mindset when he's on the field, it's impressive. And I think the only way for him to go up, the only way for him to go is up. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, and when you look at the year that he put together at an important position, you know, uh, safety is a difficult position to play. There's so much responsibility. You have to run support, covering, reading the field, angles. Uh, and we saw growth from him, uh, mm -hmm. Heidi, and I, and, and you, you got to love that. Uh, and, and he played uh, consistent football. And I think now the trick for him is going from, again, we talk about this, somebody that's manning the position to somebody that's almost playing the position and becoming more of a, of a playmaker. And I think that's right there uh, in, in front of him, as it is a few other guys on this defense. 
We had uh, Marcus Johnson on earlier this week. He kind of brought up the fact that, you know, watching uh, somebody like Julian Love uh, play for Patrick Graham in the Giants system in 2020 and 2021, you could see where even the stats showed a progression of where uh, he wasn't just a, a freewheeling center fielder out there. He was somebody that had recorded plenty of uh, quarterback hits, tackles for losses, where he was using so many different multiple schemes where he was uh, he could rush the quarterback, he could do a lot of stuff, and maybe we're just kind of like, I hate to overuse the cliche, scratching the surface, but maybe that's where we're at with Trayvon. Well, yeah, and, and uh, I think Heidi will agree with this. You know, I, when you're a coach, you have to be aware of how much – you put on somebody's plate early on in yeah. their career, right? And 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 the the better days will come. Uh, but first, it's just mastering the position, and then you, when when that starts happening, and when you when you start playing a little bit more instinctually rather than thinking uh, out there, uh, that's when you can increase the workload and and put some more on his plate. And and that's the thing, Heidi. When we talk to him too, we, it's easy watching him and understanding this guy's a great athlete. Um, he has what it takes. But then you talk to him and you realize men. Mentally, um, he's got that as well, and that, and so that that progression that you talk about of going up uh, is easy to see, and then and then also adding more to his plate to as, as Clay just talked about, maybe rushing the passer, maybe being utilized in some ways that are going to um, you know uh, tap into and accentuate some of his skill set. I think that it's it's all right there in front of him. Right, and here's the thing too. I know we talk about PFF a lot. The rating rating for him when you looked at it, it was he was in the high 70s in coverage. Good. Uh, obviously, uh, overall there were a lot of people above him from Devin McCourty, Xavier McKinney, and those those names particularly struck out, uh, stuck out to me because they're in the mid range there uh, above him, like 14 and 15 respectively. So when you think about that and the fact that they've worked with the coaches that he is now going to be with, you see, okay, he can make that leap. Yeah. He can be one of those guys. And they're up there in numbers a little bit more in the run defense because that was a number where he failed in comparison uh, to the others. They were in more of the 70s and the 80s, that those that were ranked above him. There were a couple that weren't, like Micah Hyde uh, was one that was still in the 50 range of run defense coverage and Jordan Poyer. But still, when I think about like Jordan Poyer and how good he was last year, and I, I, his story was captivating to me, by the way, as well, because he he has said how much he had heard Darren Waller and he had heard Max Crosby speak and how it led him to get himself sober nice. and to oh, elevate wow. his game. And when I hear those stories from somebody like that, it's really captivating to me that like, yeah, the, the Raiders are out there speaking to all these other guys right. that are going out and making a difference Examples. and look how it upped his level of play. Yeah. So then you go into Trayvon Merrick and see that uh, ability to get up in those rings where people who have been coached under people he's now going to work with, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to be able to put himself in that range as well. Yeah, and those are veteran players too. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's right there with them. And uh, I think he finished, what, 25th or so overall yeah. uh, rankings, uh -huh. which isn't bad for a safety. you got to understand there's uh -huh. two safeties uh, on, on, on on each team, so right. double it up, all that kind of stuff. But So it was a really <laughs> solid landing spot for him his first year. And I think even the run grade that you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. Heidi, what was in the f I, I, I had it like in the I think it was a 57.6 and I go. think and I think if I remember correctly um, there were just a couple of times early in the year where he took a couple bad angles yeah um, mm -hmm. and maybe that 
is learning affected curve. the overall yeah. grade, you know, like some of the some of the issues early. Because I felt like he got better in that part right. of the game. And to to that, it's like what you said about like Alex Leatherwood. How if you know maybe he was uh, not doing so great in a particular area, but they still wanted to keep him on that line. You know, granted they probably would have kept him at right tackle, like you said. If Had, you know, Denzel not got right, hurt or right, or, yeah. And in terms of Merrick, he was their free safety. They didn't just go, okay, well, you know what, we're gonna switch him up with somebody else, and because he's you know slacking in this area no instead he got the opportunity to be on the field to get that experience in real time to learn on the fly and he's only the way that i see how he improved from beginning to end of the year and how he was eyes up looking always keeping up with where you know the feet and the angles are going where the eyes going on the quarterback how are you going to keep up with somebody like uh, you know, um, what used to be like a, a Tyree kill if you have to close in on him. You know, he would be really uh, attentive to those details and things. And and that's where I think he's got probably the most promise next to Nate Hobbs on this team out of those defenders in the I secondary. Didn't, didn't Derek talk to us about uh, a trick that he would play on young safeties, sometimes even veteran safeties with his eyes in practice? Yeah. Yes. It, it, was a, it was an interception, I think, that Trayvon yeah. had mm-hmm. yeah. in practice. And, and Derek was like, I didn't get that past that dude, and he's a rookie. <laughs> That's pretty darn good right there. That was in practice, obviously, but still. Right. You know, Derek's like, you can manipulate these guys with your I do remember that young story, safeties. yeah. yeah. He, he and did he went biting. That. Yeah, because Derek's getting good at that by drawing safeties with his eyes. Yeah. He's the, the last year, you could really start to see you know, new nuance to his game, right? Yeah. But uh, Trayvon Merrick did never made the same mistake twice. You know what I mean? Like, right. The, he, he, he went through like the lumps, but he never uh, continued that. There was a, a consistent improvement each and every game. And if you have the stats, we're just talking about, is Richie Grant anywhere? Because Richie Grant was the other safety that was coming out in that draft that could have been a first rounder or, you know, between he and uh, Central Florida. Central Florida. I think he got drafted by Denver, but he ended up playing in Atlanta last year. I wonder what his grade were was in comparison because they pretty much played the entire season, both both uh, Merrick and I and Richie. I can find that out in just I, one second. I, I was wondering about that, but either way, for a guy like Merrick to be a ball hawk and doesn't get fooled twice, that that says something. And and I think going through a season where, or in a Gus Bradley system, that you know you're getting a lot of great coaching and uh, being around a guy like Ron Miles, I think certainly helped for I a first year Ron player, Milas. right? Yeah. Like uh, I mean. To describe what Ron Miles do, does on a field, uh, you can almost say that we're starting with teacher, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe it goes in even like graduate level professor type stuff. I loved when he said stuff like, it's not it's not jail, but it ain't a country club. Right. <laughs> it ain't quite jail, <laughs> but it's also not a country club. I love that <laughs> line from him. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be on your you-know-what. And I, I think the players totally responded to it. Of the rookie cornerbacks, Javon Holland was another one uh, from Oregon. And, oh, yeah. and he really finished... Well. Yeah, he finished fourth mm-hmm. uh, in the safety rankings, uh, so he had a, a, a really good uh, a really good year. But I'm looking for Grant not and home. Richie, not my Richie, not your Richie, not my Richie. He ain't in this top hundred. I ain't seen him. I, I misspelled his name somehow, but no. Yeah, I don't see him uh, either. Uh, so we'll uh, not we'll, in we'll the PFF top hundred, right? Um, but you know, unless they, mis- they placed him someplace. Unless else. they put him at cornerback. Right, or that's what like I'm that. going to look at. Actually, yeah. yeah. But anyhow, doesn't take long to find the name of Nate Hobbs in the uh, in the, in the cornerback rankings, no. number five overall. Um, which what a home run draft pick that was. And when you really think about it, and we're mm-hmm. talking about defense, but you know, between Nate 
and and Trayvon and I think Divine, as as Jim Nagy pointed out, uh, and I think we all see this is an ascending player. It took him a little while to get on the field. He was hurt to start the training camp, so that set him back a little bit. Uh, but by the end of the year, he was one of the Raiders' best linebackers. I expect that to just continue to grow. So you know, if we want to stick with Divine, that's a guy that you can definitely uh, uh, project. Uh, having a having a nice leap this year, and uh, let's uh, let's take a break. And we'll come back on that because uh, that is an interesting uh, you know part of a hybrid type defense when you have that kind of versatility. But what more can be done in that second year? Everyone makes an, a certain amount of leaps. Who makes the biggest one? We'll talk about this on the other side and get your thoughts also at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. That's the Realty One Group Listener Line. You're on Raider Nation Radio. Here's Roberts cutting into the middle of the field. Now he's forced back. And he's going to be short. Ball comes down. Jumping for the ball. The Raiders. The Raiders say they've got it. The Raiders say they have got it at about the 23-yard line. Let's wait for the signal officially. The Raiders are celebrating on the sideline. They say they've got it. No doubt about it. First down and 10. Well, I give credit to a couple on that. You know, here Divine Diablo was a safety coming out, and we knew he had the speed and the instincts that we were looking for, but the block protection is something that he had to work on. And, you know, Coach Smith does a great job with that group on block protection. So to see him improve during the year, and it actually looked like a complete linebacker. He has throughout the games he's played, but, you know, in a a situation like that, a four-minute situation when you know they're going to try to run the ball, and for him, the physical nature that he's playing with. You know, he had a banged up shoulder, came back and played. He showed that kind of physical toughness. So he's been very impressive for us. Radio Nation Radio, it's the morning tailgate. Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and you. And that was uh, from the Raiders Radio Network Compass Media with the Divine Diablo fumble recovery and Gus Bradley talking about uh, Divine. And that was just a, a couple days before Christmas last year. Think about an 80th overall pick from Virginia Tech who was really looked at more of a, as a safety uh, to get, to offer the Raiders more safety help because that was definitely a position group last year that needed a little more. But he emerged to become a linebacker. And I love that we had Jim Nagy on who said, like, we trained him at linebacker at the Senior Bowl for the first time where he was getting some real reps and real looks. And you know what? It was just one of those moments where he when he was subbed in for Littleton in a, in a home game where – it looked like they had already made a decision. Littleton started, but after a couple series, they brought in Diablo, and he took off from there. He never looked back. But, yep. you know, it didn't happen all at once. No. No, and and um, uh, there was an injury uh, in training camp, which held him back. We talk about all this all the time. Once that train leaves the train station, uh, uh, you as a, especially as a rookie, uh, it doesn't stop, and you gotta you got to catch back up to it, and, and he eventually did. Um, and here's a guy that uh, finished the season with um, with 37 tackles, um, graded out by PFF at, at 63.2 overall. Uh, but what was really encouraging was his where you thought he might not be as strong, he was actually strong. And where you thought that he might be strong, he has a little work to do. But you, you feel like uh, w- when you look at these grades, uh, Heidi, 71.9 in run defense, that's really good. Uh, 67.9 as a pass rusher, that's pretty darn good uh, for a rookie. Coverage was 53.7, um, and that's the area you think he's going to get, b- get better at because he was a safety in college. Just to run a couple things by you, uh, 128 run defense snaps. Uh, pass rush snaps was 10, and then coverage snaps was 159. Heidi, you, you got to figure that he's going to get better in coverage mm-hmm. because that was – kind of his strength coming out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely had to look at that and think, okay, this is the only way that this can go is up. And I think, uh, you know, it's 
always going to be a transition when you think about the coaches changing over, learning the new schemes, learning the new vernacular, learning where you're going to line up in this sub package or because we always talk about that with Patrick Graham, the multiple looks that they're going to have to learn. Whereas compared to Gus Bradley in a cover three where you're not blitzing, but I think it was, I think I read the blitz rate for the Raiders last year is 13%. Yeah. Yeah. Super low. Right. And Patrick Graham, though, isn't much higher on the blitz rate. I think it's just like 26 or 27% or so. Okay. But it's still, when you think about those numbers and learning and, and developing within a new system in your second year, those are things, too, I put on a curve. Like, okay, I'm going to... We're going to have to wait and see, you know, how do they work with Jason Williams? How do they work with Patrick Graham? How are they understanding and transitioning? But the thing that you can say for Nate Hobbs, for Trayvon Merrick, for Jonathan Abram even, they have all been in various systems already. They've already had to adapt to various changes already in their NFL careers. And like we were just talking about with Jim Maggie, the versatility that they train, that they learn, that they try to help to make these types of transitions easier, I think can only be beneficial to all of those young players. Yeah, and if if he does improve the the, the, the pass coverage, uh, if he could get that up to where uh, his run and, and, and pass rush is, mm-hmm. you're talking about a player that's going to be grading in the 70s uh, next year, and that's Really good uh, for a second-year player, and and again, I go back, uh, Clay, to the to the pass coverage, fifty-three point seven. He allowed a, a one twelve uh, passer rating, but given his background, um, he, I I figure I, I feel like that'll get lifted up, and if he keeps his run and pass rush where it's at, you're going to be talking about a really de- good linebacker. Yeah, and I think if you get more time on the field, you'll 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 allow your instincts to go back to understanding what is needed for the pass coverage. But his play against the run was very strong, and, I, strong. and I was wondering about that, and I, I remember the footage uh, I saw in Vegas Nation. Uh, you must have taken an idea of... of it was of him <coughs> running. Oh, bless you. Uh, there, he was like on the field, like and he was process. running past you, uh, and it was like I couldn't believe how uh, athletic he was, and what a tremendous athlete! He, six three, you know, two hundred twenty five pounds. I mean, this is a, a really a, an athlete that almost you would think like does have a linebacker's body, but mm. uh, he he played so well in in exchange with Denzel Perryman as well as yeah. KJ Wright. Like the way they were able to interchange him, I love the fact that he was able to be kind of a communicative leader. Somebody was able to kind of continue to help the defense with all the little hand signals and all the communication stuff that, quite honestly, Corey Littleton didn't do. No, and um, uh, you know it, that didn't pan out. I think uh, that name still burns. You right. said Corey Littleton. I don't know why I'm getting I'm getting all disappointed. <laughs> We're only talking about guys who are here. <laughs> one thing about Corey uh, that I later found out: um, Corey had Injured. shoulder. Yeah. he had shoulder uh, issues. And, yeah, that's and crazy. It, go, it goes back to his Rams days, and um, because of that. He wasn't able to get into the weight room as consistently as um, you need to. Yeah, you just can't to lift maintain. When yeah, when you're injured, you can't lift mm-hmm. weight. So, uh, especially with his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so, when you looked at Heidi, remember you you would look at his body transformation throughout the course of the year. He would get lighter and Thinner, lighter. Yeah. And, lighter. Uh-huh. and now you're asking a guy that's built like that to go stop the run, and it was good luck with right. that. It's interesting, too, because you're talking about all those numbers from Divine Diablo and stuff. And I was looking at by position and the amount of snaps. And mm-hmm. um, he actually had more passing snaps than running snaps. And like to what they needed out of Corey Littleton, they needed someone that could be more of that pass coverage type guy and though Divine Diablo I think still has a lot to take on on that curve of learning it I I think that he is 
going to be somebody that absorbs. It's really. I had a whole talk with him for my podcast, and you know, he originally Great set kid. out to be a quarterback. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. What really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was his ultimate goal when he first started playing this sport. He wanted to be a quarterback. <laughs> and then it turned into wide receiver because the place he, the school he went to, that he said that they already had like their starter. He right, was the guy, right. so he's turned into wide receiver from there. And I remember Jim saying that too <laughs> on the call that he, he had all these different positions and started out on offense. And that's the case with a lot of guys. Yeah, but I think safety was a natural transition for him once he got to the Hokies, and then you turn it around and go. Right. linebacker it's yeah at least he knows every facet of the sport he can't say <laughs> yeah. that the Diallo he's seen the game know. as a wide receiver right. maybe yeah. a little bit as a quarterback yeah. obviously as a safety and now as a linebacker but yeah. you had mentioned running past Heidi um he, he's a sideline to sideline guy mm-hmm. he's got he's moves fast mm-hmm. and I think Antonio Pierce when we talked to him the other day Heidi he was like there's things you can't. I can't teach him to be that big and, and that yeah. fast. Like those are presence. Thank, is a thank, lot. thank the, whatever the power that be. Um, and now it's just him putting the game, uh, his his game together completely. Uh, and again, I go back to that pass rush, or excuse me, the the, the pass coverage. Uh, he's fast enough, and he understands it, and and has done it before. And I think it's just getting acclimated a little bit more to the NFL, the speed of the NFL, what his assignment is, the reads, and all that. And if and if that happens, then that pass uh, defense is get, is going to be where it needs to be. It's Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here on your Hip Hop Thursday. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll be back in 90 seconds. I'm going to read some great text from the Sam and Ash text line, and we'll also take some calls at 702-365-9200. The Realty One Group listener line is next. Talking defensive improvements, right? Yes, sir. You know what defensive, defensive players do? They inflict pain, <laughs> Heidi and Clyde. Pain! Speaking pain. of which, all within the rules. All yet, within sorry. the rules, of course. Speaking about pain, you know, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain uh, with little or no hope. And uh, unfortunately, far too many of us uh, are are in that predicament. Um, And we sometimes feel like there's no way out or you got to, you know, grit your teeth and bear it, be John Wayne and tough it out. But those days are over. And the Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. It's something we all deserve. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. That's 702-257-7246. Pain. <laughs> what's your prediction nice. for the vice? <laughs> you know, uh, we're going to the, the text line, 69187, the Sam and Ash text line. Uh, Robin Oakland uh, writes in, he says, despite moving, and we talked about Alex Leatherwood a little bit in the first hour with uh, Jim Nagy. He, mm-hmm. he, te- he texted in about, despite moving Leatherwood to right guard, he still overextended himself and put his arms out. But against Kansas City, Chris Jones would wait for Alex to do this and either knock the arms down or dip a shoulder to, and get by the pressure for the play. It was too easy. That's right, Rob. And I think Alex, he says, wants to be great, but seems willing to put the work in. I just hope that technique is correctable. Rob in Oakland, excellent thought there. No doubt about it. And Heidi, I think you would agree. It's fundamentals for for Alex. I I think he got in shape, uh, much better shape. The stamina is going to be there. He played a lot of snaps, um, so you give him a lot of credit for that. Um, never complained. Did we ever hear him complain never. about moving position? To, you know, and that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, but when you watch the tape, and Lincoln Kennedy used to talk about this all the time, a lot of it is correctable if you, you know with the right coaching, with the right fundamentals, and and obviously just adhering to the coaching. And and if 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 Alex can do that, uh, then he can put himself on the on a back on the right path. Absolutely. And that's so imperative for him this year that he does get it right. And you could see it 
that when he spoke about the criticisms mm -hmm. that he's had over the course of the past year, he was fully aware of it. And he said, yeah, I'm human. Right. And uh, he didn't say it in a way that he lamented anything or like he had a chip on his shoulder yeah. about it. He took it like, I understand and I get that people are going to criticize my play right now, but I have focused and I've put in the extra effort and I put in the time. And I think... With somebody who I think has paralleled his career in some ways, working beside him like Colton Miller, yeah. I think that's going to really help him this year to make that jump because Colton's been there. Yeah. And I keep saying that. People, I don't know how many people remember, Colton had a bad rookie year. Yeah, exactly. And Jim Nagy just brought it up. I mean, yeah. and he knows as well as anybody, it's difficult to make the transition to offensive line in the NFL from college. It's a different game. You know, mm -hmm. and and I I remember uh, your your good friend um, over at uh, Sirius. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Um, uh, Jim or uh, the the Dick, Pat. Pat. Exactly. He's got a lot of friends over there. I do. I do. Yeah. I do, I do. And, and, and and so he was talking about um, <laughs> he, he and he, they had an offensive line coach uh, on on the show, right? And yeah. and it was during the season. And this offensive line coach goes, "Man, I you know it was early in the season, and he and he was like he had been watching college football for like two weeks straight before the NFL started. He goes, I'm so glad to be watching the NFL because what I'm seeing in college is so bad. What they're doing with offensive linemen down at that level, uh, and there's a lot of reasons why that is." in college football you only get a certain amount of time each week with the players and you have to maximize that time and probably have to you know uh, 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 the playbook has to reflect that and the things that you're doing to attack defenses reflects that but the problem is it it, it develops uh, offensive linemen that aren't necessarily ready to go to the NFL mm -hmm. and you have to account for that I know it's easy as the media and as fans just get him out of there he's a bust and this and that you have to give it time. You have to be you have to be willing to give it the necessary time, especially at offensive line. It's a developmental um, position now more than ever because they're playing a different different game in college football. Uh, he spoke at Leatherwood uh, about that first year and what he uh, gained from that. But I think one of them was that maybe creating a harder shell around him because there's always going to be criticism where there wasn't before. A lot. I mean, just um, the speed of the game, being a pro. You know, um, the whole nine yards, just uh, last year being my first year and this year being year two, um, kind of like know what to expect. You know what I mean? It's not uh, it's not all brand new. So just building off all the things I learned last year, making them even better. What I loved was that he went to Duke Mayweather's camp yeah. in the offseason. And that's um, yeah, he's he's kind of like an offensive line guru, but that's where prospects go to immediately get better and to work on that very technique. Rob in Oakland uh, talked about, you know, putting his arms out. Uh, and that's, uh, that's something that uh, guys in the on the offensive line, they make big leaps from one year one to two. The ones that stay in the league. Uh, we've had uh, Matt Burke and uh, Kyle Turley both talk about that. And they see that kind of potential in Leatherwood. You got the Duke. The Duke. <laughs> Midnight run. <laughs> that Duke. The Duke. You got the Duke. You got the Duke. But it and it shows you that uh, he's willing to take that go that extra mile to help to help himself. And we talk about this all the time too. This is a job now and there's no college, there's no school, there's no all of that. Um, this is your profession, your vocation, your job, your money maker, and you're gonna get what you put in. And uh, good good sign that Alex Leatherwood understood I need some help. Yeah. And I'm going to go find that help and go to one of the best at it. Let's take a phone call from the Realty One Group listener line at 702-365-9200. Heidi, Vinny, and Clay here on a Thursday. It's Tom from the nation's capital. Good morning to you, Tom. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Oh, good, thank you. What's going on? 
No, no Commodores today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a moratorium on Lionel Richie because we'll have to start paying him royalties if we keep mentioning his name. Right. Also, I got to tell you this. I do keep seeing your messages on my messenger thing. I just don't have my password, so I can't get past the first line of what it says on the subject. I can get okay. to you. Benny, I promise. Benny, Benny, Benny can help you with the password. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Listen, as far as Alex Leatherwood is concerned, uh, and, and Clay, you already mentioned this. Offensive linemen make really big leaps from year one to year two, and Leatherwood's already doing what he needs to do in the off season to improve. I think that this this offensive line is going to come together, and here's why. Uh, for the last couple of years, I think that Tom Cable has kind of been working in a bubble. And, and by what, what I mean by that is I don't think he's really been on, on, on the same page or in sync with the rest of the offense. And uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he has a position right now. I think Cable's still out there somewhere without, without a spot. Right, yeah. Uh, that, that, may, that may speak highly of the work that he's done over the last couple of years, but I think it also speaks to the fact that the, the young talent that we that the Raiders have, um, I think, is going to come together really well if you have an offensive line coach that works in close sync with the offense, you know, with McDaniel's. So I'm I'm really happy to see what is going to happen uh, going forward. Now I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction right now, and and I, I did this uh, with Q yesterday. I think that uh, Parham is going to take over that center position uh, before the end of the year. Mm. And I think Andre James has always been better suited at the guard position mm. anyway. Now, I don't know, uh, and I'm, I'm not a coach and I'm not a guru, but I, I, that's what I see. And uh, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, but you bring in a third-round guy like Parham who can can not only play guard but also center, you know, he's more suited for that position. And I think going ahead and transitioning him now uh, – could, could, could set that lineup for years to come. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, um, kind of mixed on uh, moving Andre James uh, out of center, uh, Heidi. I, I, I felt like he turned the corner and played really well down the stretch. He had some really good games, finished as a 64.1 overall out of 100, pass blocking was 67.2, run blocking was 61.7. That was after some struggles early on. Um, but I, I feel like... Um, if he's if he's getting the job done, why 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 do that? I don't I don't necessarily see him as a guard either. He's never played guard, um, so I'm not quite sure um, you know the projection there. Uh, and 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 I would think that Dylan Parham, you know, uh, given given his history, probably is is better suited at guard. So let 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 that be the focus. Maybe I don't know. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think for now the best thing for this offensive line is repetition with the guys that they had in place. Of course you want the best starting five, but I think to move him out because you have a guy that can play both is just right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. I think that there were some penalties, some things that can be cleaned up and that went all the way down the line. Um, Andre James, I was looking at a list right now of the different types of penalties uh, that he might have committed. He had five offensive holds, one false start. So in terms of how much he might have done there for anything bad pre-snap, I think he was probably the only one that really had a low number of uh, the 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 calls on the pre-snap kind of stuff because that was something we saw a lot with the line. I think it more so fell to Alex Leatherwood than anybody else. But uh, as you start to look down and see what the strengths are, 
he's now incumbent in that position. He has a grasp of that position. He's understood and learned under Rodney Hudson for that position. And yeah, was he great starting off in the season? No, he had to learn and grow. And I think that if you take him out now after coming on the upswing as towards the end of the last year, it, it just kind of be a mistake. This is his grades um, from week seven on 77, 83, 59, not a good game against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs there, 74. Uh, 70, 59.4, 73.2, 55.2, 69.9, 61.9, 65.7. Those are, he had more good games than bad games uh, down the stretch. And it, it started off, no question, as Heidi just alluded to, rocky uh, mm-hmm. for him. But he this is a player to me that got better as the year went on, started feeling more comfortable. It looked more comfortable, as as Heidi pointed out, the continuity uh, that he's established now with, with Derek Carr. Um, I, think, I don't think he'd throw that out the window uh, just yet. Um, just because you drafted somebody that can play both positions. Uh, maybe the best five is with Dylan Parham somewhere at one of the guard positions, whether it's at left guard or right guard, but also Andre James at center. And uh, I don't know when the the usage and the time will be right for Dylan Parham, but uh, it would take like a miracle for him to really kind of like chase already an incumbent center out that has been elevated and not only contract, but in that kind of status, if Derek Carr trusts Andre James, then that's probably all you need. And and so far, Carr and, and, and he calls him Dre, uh, they seem to have like a certain relationship now that, that Derek feels comfortable. And even Derek was able to look past some of those uh, snap problems that were happening right. uh, that one Monday night game against the yeah. Chargers where the ball was going every which way. Uh, Carr showed some patience because he knew that, that the work had been done before. And that for a guy like Dylan Parham to come in, I you know what, Tom, I, I think they feel really highly on him. But the time it would take him like a miracle, really, to unseat Andre James. Yeah, and uh, we we we've talked about this, you guys. Um, the Raiders aren't in a, in need to have rookies just come in and, and play important roles like right off the bat, like they have been. Where Henry Ruggs had to play, Brian Edwards had to play, Alex Leatherwood had to play, Nate Hobbs last year had to play, uh, uh, Trevor Morrig had to play. These were guys because they didn't have anyone else to play those positions, like incumbent starters coming back. Um, and so you're having and, and forced to to have to play a bunch of young guys. I know I got texts from coaches that are like, man, we're relying on a lot of young players. <laughs> it could be a little scary here, especially that 2020 season where they were nobody was allowed in the building and there wasn't a normal offseason. And we got a lot of young players on this team. And it was basically saying, I hope everybody understands that we've got a lot of young players that we have to rely on right now. And, mm-hmm. and far too many than you really want to go into a season having to rely on. And this year, they don't have to do that. So Dylan Parham, if he wins a job, great. But it's not because you have to have him and you know live and die with whatever the consequences are because there's no one, nobody else to play that position. Tom, excellent thought. Thank you for the call from yep. D.C. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll continue our conversation about on the defensive end, who is going to start making another leap? Who has a chance to make the biggest leap in 2022 after their rookie season? All that and more on Raider Nation Radio. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line. Text the keyword RNR followed by your message to 69187. It's the morning tailgate, Raider Nation Radio, on a Hip Hop Thursday. 
Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker with you. And uh, from the text line, Sam and Ash text line, 69187. Um, 805 Raider says, the, <laughs> 805 Raider, uh, the hate on our O-line is ridiculous, especially on Andre. Don't forget this was a line that led the way to the playoffs. Big holes for Jacobs in the last four games and playoffs. You got to give more credit. Um you know what? The, the offensive line, for whatever reason, it did get better. Uh, it, it played enough. You know, it, it it wasn't as bad as some. I mean, when you think about what the Bengals, for example, oh went through, right? Sorry. I mean, it, it was what atrocious. A at the end, too. Yeah, I, I think it was indicative of the kind of O line you don't want going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it was one that uh, it was constantly having to be made excuses for, and for uh, for his credit, Joe Burrow. And his release point, uh, the way he was able to get rid of the ball, it, it was absolutely necessary. It was a complete justification. And for him to be successful, that offensive line pushed it to the very limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we need to remember, uh, and this isn't an excuse. It's a, it's a, it's a valid explanation. Um, you know, the plan was after they traded Rodney Hudson and gave Jackson and Trent Brown. The plan was at guard. Um, to to really you know to rely on on veterans and Richie Incognito and Denzel Good to be the buffer basically uh, between a young center and his left tackle and a young center and his rookie right tackle. Uh, they lost that before the season basically even <laughs> yeah. began. They really only had Denzel Good for you know the first half of that first game. Um, and again, talking to, to to members of last year's staff, it was like you know at that point. Then you got to try to find your next best five because the plan blew up in their face, completely blew up in their face. Uh, And so you have to account for that, too. There was a lot of transition. There were a lot of young players being leaned on. The depth chart got got pushed to the limit. Uh, Jermaine Illuminar, Heidi, when did Jermaine show up? Like the day before? It was almost like a, a couple days before the season opened. Yeah, yeah. And I think to his credit, you know, he, in the given the situations that they were put in, I think he did well. Like you said, there was a sieve there for a minute, but uh, there were other times where he did play well. I think it's just a matter, again, repetitions for the five that are there. Uh, Mayock and Gruden decided, okay, he wasn't the right fit. For them, but I I think that's not to say that he could come up in this season and maybe be somebody that competes for either depth or uh, for being someone who needs to give a spell or on other, you know, I, uh, positions. I think the Patriots saw a lot of promise in him because they did have him come up through their ranks. And um, I think it was at right tackle, if I'm remembering right. He played right right tackle, yep. Yeah, so maybe there's a different idea that McDaniel sees for him, a different plan, and maybe they feel like he could be strong in this. Because of the investment I've seen through the Patriots organization and working with their offense is why I say these things. Because, yes, with the Raiders, there were issues. Uh, he, He, I think, cleaned them up at, at times but it wasn't consistent enough yeah and he didn't you know he didn't really see the field much after after getting benched uh mm-hmm. i think he has a fight on his hands with lester cotton yeah because uh, he took a lot of those snaps at right guard um you know in the first team snaps i should say so we'll see you know uh with with with, with jermaine uh, illuminar but you know i think more importantly is just you know find your best five and hope they stay healthy and just build that's what the offensive line needs more than anything just cohesiveness and chemistry, and there's no secret. Like you said, they played better down the stretch because they were they, at that point they had played a lot of football together and were starting to understand each other uh, and build that cohesiveness and chemistry. Uh, right. One last text on this uh, from six nine one eight seven. This comes from the five one zero, sir or madam. Thank you for texting this in. Uh, it says they just played Leatherwood because they had to justify the one pick, and I thought Jermaine was playing well. You know what? He wasn't. 
Yeah, I, it I, wasn't. It was. It's a small sample size, you yeah, know. But yeah, but it, it, I feel like he had good moments. I do. I do. I feel like Illuminor had good moments, but there were also times where he was not consistent. That's no. where I saw. And yeah. so they again, they had to find their. They felt like their best five was Leatherwood, you know, sliding over and then putting Brandon Parker, who gave them some certainty, even though it wasn't a high level uh, certainty. Um, but that's really what that's that's what happened. And so um, you know. Uh, now we'll see. Now we'll see if if Alex is going to be able to make that transition back to right tackle and hold it down. And if not, who who plays right tackle? And are you okay with Brandon Parker going in? You you pretty much know what he is at this point, and it's yeah, you, not very good. No, and uh, and it, uh, that's what makes the Lester Cotton thing so exciting. The fact that he's you know he's been somebody that the Raiders staff has looked at for a couple of years. Uh, you know, trying to make a, a, a carve a role for himself. You know, being in the practice squad and and also at this point in camp. But I, I like the fact that uh, he's catching a lot of people's eye, and uh, mm-hmm. that 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 is awesome to see that happen. But you know, with the word justification. Uh, it almost means uh, to imply like they they were holding else somebody else back. Uh, you know. It, at that point in the season, there are no other offensive linemen that are really, really good at a certain level to know that you can go and say, I need okay. to have you, uh, I need I need more out of you. But there's no offensive linemen that are like available on the, you know, in the reserve or waiver wire that you could just say, because at that point in the season, all the good ones are taken up or even like the average ones are taken up. You have to get the most out of the guys you got at that point. Exactly. Uh, and you're trying to win football games. And they actually did. <laughs> they did win a lot of football games. Uh, there were some ups and downs, no question about it. But however bad that offensive line was or good, they still were an offensive line that won 10 games and went to the playoffs and, and pushed the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to the brink of uh, of overtime in the in the wild card round of, of the playoffs. So, um, you know, now it's just a matter of finding the next best five and hopefully avoiding injuries and, and being able to let that group marinate together and grow together and develop together. Uh, and as the season goes on, gets better and better and better. That's Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here with you. After two hours, we're going to take a quick break and come back. We may be joined by the one and only Ice Cube, the founder of the Big Three. It all takes place this weekend, but we may have Cube coming back next here on Raider Nation Radio. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. Tat products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. <laughs> 